Well, amen, amen. It's good to be with you. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know it's been a challenging year to walk in gratitude. Uh, 2020 has been filled with lots of bad news, right? And so we get this season called Advent where we get to remind ourselves of the good news of Jesus. And so we get to talk about good news today, right? That's good news. And I'm thankful that we get to come. We all need good news. And what our world needs, what we need, we need more of Jesus. And that's why I'm thankful that we're entering into this Advent season. If you're anything like me, uh, we didn't grow up in our household with a a season of Advent. While we celebrated Christmas, uh, Jesus wasn't the reason for the season. All right, so, so I, I just remember very vividly being in high school, even before I became a, a believer in Jesus, I was, I was at a church that I was attending, and I was desiring for Christmas to be different that year. I remember attending church and thought to myself, you know, there has to be more than just spending all the money that we do not have, Hallmark movies and Santa Claus. There has to be more to this. There has to be more to this season, and that's where I just remember saying, I want this season to to be focused on Jesus. I I desired for my focus to change, and what I didn't realize at that time was I was joining the ranks of Christians that for thousands of years have gathered together in this season and celebrated what we know now as Advent, where they would refocus and recenter their attention on Jesus. Ever since the 4th and 5th century, Christians gathered around this season, and it was a time to refocus and recenter and remember Jesus. And so today we we begin something on the church calendar. We celebrate something today as the beginning of Advent all the way up until Christmas, uh, a time where we get to look back when Jesus first arrived, which that's what Advent means. Advent means arrival, the coming. And so when we talk about that Advent season, the Advent is the Advent of Jesus, that Jesus came. And for hundreds of years, the Israelites longed and waited. They had heard the prophecies of one to come who would be a great light. And, and they waited and they longed for Jesus. They longed for this coming Messiah. And then Jesus came one night. Jesus came in the form of a baby, born of a virgin, born in a manger. And it was there that Jesus began his rescue mission. And so we are on the other side of the first coming of Jesus, but we long and await for the second coming of Jesus because in John chapter 14, verse three, it says, and if I go and Jesus went, Jesus ascended to the right hand of the father in heaven. He said, if I go, I go and prepare a place for you and I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. That is the good news of Advent, that Jesus is coming again, that where Jesus is today, one day he's coming back and he's going to take us with him. He's preparing a place for us that far exceeds the place where we're gathered here today, that far exceeds the world in which we gather and all the brokenness and all the pain and all the death and all the sickness that we experience will one day be eradicated. And that's good news. And that's what we celebrate. And that's what we want to focus on in these days. Now, 
One of the chapters of, of Hebrews that we're gonna jump in today is, is Hebrews chapter two. And what I love about Hebrews and what I've loved about studying and rereading the book of Hebrews as I prepared for today is that Hebrews helps us to recenter and refocus our lives on Jesus. Over and over and over, all through the book of Hebrews, it's gonna say, look to Jesus, see Jesus, keep your eyes focused on Jesus. And that's important because what we're gonna learn in Hebrews chapter two is we are in danger when we take our eyes off of Jesus. And so my hope, my desire, my prayer for us in the next few weeks is to seek to bring our attention back to Jesus. That's what Advent is. Advent guide that we've provided for you guys that's available on the, the table or we're gonna provide it for you guys online as well. It, it says that Advent is an invitation for, for, from God to prepare room in our hearts for Jesus. Advent is an invitation from God to prepare room in our hearts for Jesus, to remember Jesus, to remember why he came, to remember what Jesus is doing and to remember that God is with us. So are you ready? That's what we're gonna remember. That's what we're going to celebrate. You might be sad this morning because you went to your mailbox after Thanksgiving and there are no invitations for Christmas parties. And you're like, we can't get together. There's no invitation. We can't be with people. But the good news is we have received a fresh invitation by God to experience Jesus. And there is not a greater invitation than that invitation. Hebrews chapter two, here we go. Therefore, and we'll get to that. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. For it was not the angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, Psalm 8, what is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. This morning, we are gonna look at these first nine verses of Hebrews chapter two. And over the next three weeks, four weeks, we are going to be just focusing solely on Hebrews chapter two. And there's so much good news. There's so much to celebrate the fact that God is with us, that God became human, that God took on human flesh and resided amongst us and what that means for us and why we can celebrate in light of it. But there are also some warnings in this text and there's some challenges in this text. 
And the very first challenge that we, we, we are faced is we need to pay attention to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is supreme. The very first word in Hebrews chapter two is the word therefore. And every time that we, we, we've read, as we've studied Philippians, as we studied Galatians, we know that this term therefore pops up and we have to ask, what's it there for? And so we need to read the preceding verses. And so we look back in Hebrews chapter one, and we're going to see this long explanation of, of who Jesus is and some attributes of, of Jesus. And it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's speaking to us by his son. Jesus is the voice of God. God is speaking to us through Jesus. He says he's, he's the heir of all things. Through Jesus, the world was created. It said God would come in the flesh, that God would be with us. It says he sits down. He is the ultimate high priest. He doesn't need to go and continue to make atonement for sins because he went and did it once for all. He sat down. He's superior to the angels. His throne will go on forever and ever. And then it says, therefore, in Hebrews chapter 2, therefore pay attention to him. That's big news. Everything we just told you in Hebrews chapter one is important, is supreme. It's, it's important for us to pay attention to this. And my question to us this morning is, what are we paying close attention to? Again, our hope and desire in Advent season is to, to draw us together, to refocus and recenter, to pay attention to Jesus. And I'm thankful that many of us, we, we were given these weeks to kind of recalibrate our lives. Because it seems as we go throughout our lives and we go throughout our daily business, there's a lot that we can pay attention to. Many of us are paying attention to the news right now. Who in the world is going to be our president? What are we going to do with this virus that continues to make its way through our city and state and world? We're, we're paying attention to the news. We're paying attention to social media. We're paying attention to culture. We're paying attention to all media out there. But are we paying attention to Jesus? And what Hebrews chapter 2 says is that we must pay attention. And what I love is it doesn't just say we must pay attention, but we must pay closer attention, which means none of us are immune. Like we don't get off by saying, well, I do pay attention to Jesus. He says, pay much closer, do it more. You're like, well, hey, I, you know, I'm paying attention. Do it more, do it more, pay more attention to Jesus. Jesus is supreme. Therefore, we should pay attention to Jesus. Second point, we're moving quick through this. Second point is when we don't pay attention to Jesus, we drift. It said there's a, there's a danger, there's a concern, there's a warning. It says, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. Hear me. There is no neutral ground when it comes to following Jesus. Either you are paying attention to Jesus or you're drifting away from Jesus. Do we hear that this morning? Either... We are paying attention to Jesus or we're drifting away from Jesus. 
One commentator, Kent Hughes, defines drifting away in very practical terms. He says this, that the church's experience 2,000 years ago intersects our lives in this way. Drifting is the besetting sin of our day. And as the metaphor suggests, it's not so much intentional as it is just being unconcerned. We've grown familiar. I remember when I first came to Salt Lake City, we flew in over the mountains and I was like, wow, this place is amazing. It's majestic. Now, it's not saying much. I came from Wichita Falls, Texas, all right? Like you look out across a field and you can see for miles. And we, we pull in and, and there's just mountains. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I remember bringing my wife a few weeks later to, to see Salt Lake City and we pulled in and the city was under inversion. And so I remember I was like, no, you don't get it. Like there's beautiful mountains. You can't see them. And so we had to drive up to Park City so we could, you know, get above the, the cloud cover and the pollution and be able to see. And, and just one of the things on our first trip, I'm like, I never want to get over the mountains. As somebody who moved here and, and this has now become home, there, there's a sense where I have never lost the wonder and all. Every day when I go outside, I look up and I see the clouds setting on the mountains. I'm like, I am in awe. And what this passage says is, if we're not in awe of Jesus, if we've grown familiar with Jesus, if he's just become ordinary to us, we will begin to drift. We'll drift. You, you don't just drift towards Jesus. If you do not have a plan and intentionality on how you're going to pay attention to Jesus, you won't pay attention to Jesus. You'll drift. Men, families, if you don't have a plan for how you're going to spend the next few weeks of the holidays helping recenter and refocus your family, your household on Jesus, you will not, you will drift. You will waste the season. You'll waste the opportunity. We've been given a responsibility to pay attention. The culture around us is drifting. Society is drifting. And we need some people to stand up and say, enough is enough. We're no longer going to drift. We are going to be intentional about pursuing Jesus. We're going to be intentional about paying attention to Jesus. And we're going to pursue him. And we're going to run hard. The stats are in the state of our, our world where churches aren't gathering, that everyone's drifting right now. The culture that a, a third of the church population, I know there's some people that say, hey, these stats aren't real. Can you show it to me? I, mean, I don't know. But all I know is that if you're not paying attention to Jesus, you're drifting away from Jesus. And I think we're in a time where it's easy to drift. And we'll talk about that. Why, why do we drift? Why do we drift? And I think there, there's some things that are involved in this season, even right now, that, that we're in danger of drifting. First reason why is because of isolation. Isolation. 
In Hebrews chapter three, it's one of my favorite passages. I've taught on it several times before. In Hebrews chapter three, verse 12, it says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Here's another picture of drifting. And he says, how how do we keep from drifting? It says in verse 13, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We will drift, we will fall away, our hearts will be hardened unless we move from isolation to community. We'll drift. And I think we're in danger of that in the season because many of us are spending time in isolation. We have to fight and pursue community in the season if we don't want to drift. I know Zoom isn't awesome. I know watching online is is challenging. But we need to seek to be the church so that we don't drift in the season and fall away. What's scary about a drift is you don't even know that you're drifting. You ever been out like on a canoe or a a boat and all of a sudden you're just sitting there and like you're not anchored, you're just kind of floating and and we we, we, eventually you kind of look up and you're like miles down shore. You're like, whoa, how how do I even get here? And that's, we, our hearts are hardened. It's a process. And if we don't have people in our lives to help us see that we're drifting, and that's one of the fears and concerns I have as a pastor in the season is there isn't much life on life happening right now. And without life on life, you have the ability to drift and no one knows. And that's scary. So isolation. Number two, temptation. Some of the reason why many of us drift is because ultimately we see things as more valuable, as more beautiful, as more satisfying than Jesus. And so we drift. We don't pay attention to Jesus. We pay attention to other things. They're tempting. In Hebrews chapter 10, if you want to flip over there, I don't have it on the, on the screen here, but in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, the, the writer of Hebrews here is instructing them, and he's talking about persecution and suffering and temptation. And in verse 32, it says, recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Remember that. He's saying, look back, remember those hard times, remember those challenges. Sometimes, verse 33, you were publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. But in the midst of that, you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Why? Why were you able to do that? It says, because you knew you had a better possession and an abiding one. We'll drift if we don't recognize that we have a better possession in Jesus and one that lasts forever. We'll drift because everything else looks so much more enticing in the moment. And that's why I love this picture of abiding. All of us are about instant gratification. What makes me happy in the moment? But what it says in this passage is that what keeps us from drifting is knowing that we have a better possession and an abiding possession in Jesus that never fades. So don't be tempted. Don't drift. Three, same passage in Hebrews chapter 10. It's persecution. That there's going to be cost to following Jesus. 
We in America have primarily experienced the freedom to gather, the freedom to be able to join in a room like this, where in many parts of our world, this is illegal. And there may be a day where the things we say and the the places we go and the way in which we gather and the book we read causes us to face persecution as the church. My question is, is are we prepared as a church to face the gale force winds of our culture? Do we have an anchor in Jesus? Are we paying attention to Jesus so that we're able to face persecution like it says in Hebrews chapter 10? Or maybe lastly, maybe another reason we drift is because of procrastination. We just put it off. I can think of so many times in my life, like I'll get serious about Jesus when fill in the blank. When I graduate high school, when I go to college, when I get married, when I have kids, when I get my job and career that I really want, when I have a home, when I get older in life, then I'll get serious about Jesus. And we just keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. The whole time you're drifting. There is no standing still. John Piper says, the life of this world is not a lake, it's a river. And it's flowing downward to destruction. If you do not listen earnestly to Jesus and consider him daily and fix your eyes on him hourly, if you don't pay attention to him, then you will not stand still. You will go backwards. We can't put this off, church. We can't procrastinate. You will drift. Hebrews chapter three, verse 15. I love this passage because several times in Hebrews chapter three, it says today. Today is the day of salvation. Today, exhort one another daily. Today, today you cannot put off getting serious about paying attention to Jesus. Today, I warn you, do not walk out these back doors and say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. I'll do it in the new year. I'll start a new Bible reading plan in 2021. And then I'll get serious about Jesus. Start today. It's important. I'm growing concerned, and this is kind of a a side soapbox here, that in our culture today, that um, I, I see more and more articles and comments and reports uh, that we we have such a burned out culture, and that in dealing with that, I mean, we've seen books like Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which are fascinating books. I encourage read, like it, it's important. Practicing daily Sabbath rhythms, absolutely. But I'm afraid that we've practiced self indulgence in the name of Sabbath rest. It's been all about just self-care rather than actually in our Sabbath rest pursuing Jesus. I, I read something the other day that this one pastor was like, yeah, we're not supposed to be tired. And I'm like, really? I mean, Jesus was tired. Like, you, are we, we're not supposed to be tired? And so we put it off because I'm like, you know, I'm I'm not supposed to be burdened. Jesus said, come, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Absolutely. And I I think following Jesus is easy and hard because in the next pass, he said, wide is the path that leads to destruction and many are on it and narrow is the path that leads to life. 
Why is it narrow? Because it's hard and it's work and it takes effort. First Thessalonians 2.9, Paul says, Surely, brothers, you remember our toil and hardship. We worked night and day to preach the gospel. We tell Paul, we're not supposed to be tired. You're not supposed to be tired. Here's the deal. Guys, you can't put it off. We can't put off paying attention to Jesus. So what are some symptoms of drifting? We're, we're dealing right now in, in a season where we're like, we're all paying attention to symptoms. You get a little tickle in your throat and you're like, oh man, I got Corona. Like, right? Or you're like, you're like trying to smell and all of a sudden you're losing your sense. You know, you're like, yeah, do I got Corona? You know, and like, we're all like sensitive to symptoms because we're wondering like, do I have coronavirus? And I'm wondering here today, how many of us would say, what are the symptoms of me drifting? Like what, what CDC guidelines do we have to put out that, that I should be alerted and concerned that if I'm drifting, that these things are probably at play in my life. And I, I went to the good old Google web here and uh, somebody already wrote down 10 of them for me. So uh, I'll share those with you. All at once right here on the screen. We're drifting if our sense of wonder begins to wane, we're drifting. That's what I talk about, like that awe, that, that experience of like looking at the Salt Lake Valley and seeing those mountains, there's an awe. Like, do we read Hebrews chapter one that this is who Jesus is? And do we have that sense of awe and wonder about who Jesus is? If not, we're drifting. My awareness of the nearness of God has become ancient history. We no longer experience his presence, his nearness, his closeness. The very gift that Jesus came to bring is to bring God to us. He's God with us. He's Emmanuel. But yet it seems like he's not with us. It seems like he's far off. My love and desire for God's word falls short of what I find in Psalm 119. And you're like, well, what does Psalm 119 read? Well, read it. And just see, like, is this how you, you view God's word as a treasure, as a gift? The reality, the, the, number four, the realities of, of heaven and hell seem distant and unreal. I fall apart at the first sign of suffering or persecution. Why? Because our life is our greatest treasure rather than our life in Christ. I'm unaware of the constant downward pull of the world, the flesh and the devil. Prayer, Bible study, witnessing and going to church are a duty rather than a delight. It's just something I have to do, not something I really desire to do or want to do. Remembering the work of Jesus Christ on the cross does not emotionally move me. I become autonomous rather than deeply dependent upon other believers. We're like, I got this. We think even in our isolation in this season that we're going to make it. Even though the Bible says we won't. I lack joy and gratitude for all God has done for me. I see these and, and, and I, I just wonder, you know, like, how are we doing? Like, are we two out of 10, three out of 10, four out of 10, 10 out of 10? 
do you notice that it's easy to drift? It's easy to drift unless we pay attention to Jesus. Now, I told you, like, hey, pastor, like, hey, man, we're, we're in Christmas time. This is supposed to be encouraging, like uplifting, like joy to the world, right? Well, here's the deal. Before we get to, like, the good news, you got to deal, like, it's only good news because it deals with our bad news. And so I'm telling you bad news. We're going to get to the good news, but first, more bad news. Because when we drift, there, there, there's consequences. You need to realize the danger of drifting. One of the things that, that Hebrews chapter 2 says, it says, we, we need to pay attention to it lest we drift from it. Verse 2, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. It's just saying, hey, if, if you disobey the laws and commands that the angels have given, there's consequences. There's consequences. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And, and what this text is saying is like, if, if what the angels preached was, was true and there's consequences, this is kind of one of those, the lesser to the greater. So like if the angels said this and there was consequences, how much more that you disobey Jesus himself speaking? that Jesus is bringing this word to you. How will you escape if you ignore him? If you drift from him? Have you ever been in one of those escape rooms? Like that's a nightmare for me. Like, you, you know, I'm just walking in. I'm like, somebody help me. Like, I cannot figure this out. Like, I am not strategic enough to figure out like, I need to pull this handle and I need to come up with this code. And like, some people love that. And I'm just like, hey, just show me the exit. I'm pretty simple. I'm pretty easy. And what this text is, is like, hey, it's not this hard, difficult formula. There's one way out of this. There's one way of escape. There's one way. And all other ways lead to death. How will you escape if you ignore it? How will you escape if you drift? You won't. You won't. And it kind of leaves us there. It kind of leaves us with this cliffhanger. And we kind of have this, this like, you know, it, it, it kind of just goes through this, like, how are you going to escape? And then it goes back and it quotes this stuff from Psalm 8. We'll get more into this in the next few weeks. But it starts talking about the nature of man and all these different things. And then it talks about Jesus being, for a moment, a little lower than the angels. And, and why? Like, what's going on here? And it's ultimately to kind of lead us to this point of going like, how will we escape? What is your plan of escaping if it's not Jesus? I think many of us in this room, myself included, are trying to figure out how to escape death. Coronavirus presents its symptoms. What do we do? Immediately, we all go in fear. We all hide. And then over time, we're like, it's not going away. What are we going to do? And so we're doing everything we can to preserve our life. But in this text, what we need to understand is none of us can preserve our life for forever. That one day, every single one, 10 out of 10 people die. We're all going to die. The question is, is, how will we beat death? 
And what it's going to talk about in this next passage is we need to realize the dangers of drifting. That there's consequences for drifting. But Jesus paved a way that Jesus gave us a way of escape that we don't have to drift, but we must pay attention to him. It says in this passage that all things were put under the control and reign of Jesus, yet we don't see it, right? And I think we, we can all agree to that. We can all shake our heads today and go, I agree to that. Like we look at our world and like, it doesn't seem like it's, it's under the control and subjection of Jesus. It doesn't look like he is, everything is in submission to him. And that's what it says. At present, we do not see everything in subjection to him, but we see him. In the midst of a season where all seems hopeless, it stops and says, while we don't maybe see hints or signposts or evidence that this world is in submission, look to Jesus. Because in Jesus, what it describes is he would go and he would taste death for every single person. And he would taste death so that you would have life and so that you would beat death because he was victorious over death. And so we need to look to him. That is, the, that is the only way of escape. You will not escape death, but Jesus tasted death to give you a way of escape. So I want to ask you this morning, what are you paying attention to? What are you going to be intentional about when you leave here this morning? What are you going to be intentional about in these next few weeks? And our, our hope in the Advent season and the reason I, I love celebrating moments like this in the church calendar is they give us rhythms to come back. Like it builds habits of remembrance. I think so often we just, we just get away and we get on about our busyness and our lives and it, it's, it's just a moment to come back. I think about when I did student ministry, summer camp was always that for students. That it was a time to go back and to be reminded of some rhythms and practices that we need to step back into, to be reminded that we should pay attention to Jesus. And we need reminders like this because we're forgetful people. And what we're, we're told in Hebrews chapter two is pay attention, pay attention. There's no way of escaping without Jesus. Pay attention to Jesus. Jesus is of supreme worth and value. And he tasted death so you don't have to fear death. And he's, he's victorious so that you would experience victory. And he says, you don't have to drift from me because I've come and I've taken upon your sin so that you can come near and be in relationship and celebrate the fact that God is with us. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. I just wanna invite you in the next few moments. I know that there are a group of people in this room from all different spectrums, from all different backgrounds, from all different faith beliefs, and probably even people listening online. 
My question to you this morning is, how will you escape if you neglect such a great salvation? The reason it's a great salvation is because we all have great sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, all of us. Not one of us are immune. Not one of us make our way out of this world without sin. There was only one, and his name was Jesus. And he lived a perfect life. And in his perfection, he was the perfect substitute and sacrifice for you and I. And Jesus would go, and he would taste death. He would lay down his life for you and I. And that's the good news of the gospel. That because of our great sin, Jesus had to go to great depths to take care of our sin. And he would go to the cross and he would take nails in his hands and his feet. He would be crucified. He would be punished. He would be beaten. He was beaten so badly that he was unrecognizable. He took the punishment that you and I deserve. But he lived the life that you and I could never live. And he did that so that we could experience the great salvation that he talks about. And he did that so that you would see that he's not ordinary, he's supreme. He did that so that you would know that he is the better possession and the abiding one. He did that to get your attention. And he's telling you today, pay attention, pay attention. Receive the warning this morning, pay attention. There's no neutral ground. And so while many of us, we look at this text and it's a warning, to some of us, it's an invitation. To some of us this morning, it is an invitation to come and pay attention to Jesus, maybe for the first time. And go, well, if that's Jesus, and Jesus did what he said he did, and if his message is reliable, and here's what I love about that, the mess- a message wasn't enough. The message from the angels wasn't enough. He sent a man. He sent a man. And he's given us an invitation to have relationship with him and have life through him. In the same way that you go out and you marvel at the mountains and you're in awe of them, He's inviting you to be in awe of the one through whom the mountains were made. The mountains were made through him and by him. He is of supreme worth and value. So don't ignore him. Don't ignore him. And you're like, well, well, what do I do? I would just say simply right there where you are, humbly commit yourself and, and, and admit your need for Jesus. You need him. There's no way of escape without him. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that there are consequences. There there are consequences. There's retribution for my sin. And there is no way of escape. But you have provided a way of escape. Help me to trust in you. Help me to live for you. Help me to pay attention. Don't ignore And for those of you who have trusted in Jesus, I would just invite you this morning to just reflect 
How will you passionately pay attention? As we sing in the next few moments, as we respond in the next few moments, I pray that you would be made aware of his presence with you. He's not shaming you. He's not looking at you where you are and saying, man, son, why have you drifted so far away? Every single day, it's an invitation to come home. Just come home, come back, come be with, because he is God with us. So I pray that you would receive that invitation, that there is no shame, no condemnation, and that you wouldn't run from him this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for this text. Thank you for this reminder that it's easy for us to drift. And Lord, we don't want to drift. We want to stay close to you. We thank you because of the work that you did for us on the cross. We can have intimacy with you and a relationship with you. And we praise you, Jesus, for that. Amen.